Welcome to the latest episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. We often talk about our growth path as engineers. One of those paths could be a tech lead engineer. In today's episode, we are joined by Tony Edwards to help talk with us about the role and responsibilities of a tech lead engineer. Tony, can you give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Sure. Um, I'm Tony. I'm a software engineer at Netflix, and I spend about 20% of my time coding. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite happy hour beverage is a Manhattan. What's your 80% of your time doing? I help run projects and attend meetings. All right. Okay. This is interesting. We will definitely be getting into more on that. Before we do, let's give introduction of today's panelists. Jem, you want to start it off? Jem Young, Senior Software Engineer at Netflix. Stacey London, Senior Front-End Engineer at Atlassian, and also a feature lead for the last year plus on a project, which is we can discuss later. I am definitely curious on that. Uh, hi, I'm Mars Julian. I'm a Front-End Software Engineer at Airbnb. Woohoo! So a little different than Nomad last yeah, week. Yeah, and I'm not at Netflix anymore. So That is a little Aww. bit sad. Yeah, yeah, that is sad. Yeah, yeah a little bit sad. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we love to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Projects. 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 So if we say the word project, projects, we will all take a drink. All right, let's jump in. How would you all describe what a tech lead role engineer is? A lot of listening. A lot of listening. I like that. A lot of attending meetings. Um, a little writing code. Um, some architecting. A lot of squishy, soft things. Soft things. Well, architecting is not necessarily soft. Yeah, it's not. But ultimately, you've got to lean on your your fellow engineers. But but it's important that you set set the broad strokes. So a lot more like planning and upfront work, but then letting other engineers run with something. Yeah, yeah, you got to trust your people for sure. All right. Anything else to add to that definition? Well, I think it's an interesting idea to ask for a definition in the first place because I think every company will execute it very, very differently. Um, and so it's interesting to hear, obviously, everyone's perspectives here because I think we all have a slightly different definition in mind where the like coding to sort of management ratios might be very, very different depending on where you work. Yeah, I think that's a fair point is they're completely different but depending on the company. So yeah, a lead engineer is someone that is honest with themselves about the amount of coding they do, like yeah. Tony said. Yeah, I feel like you're... So no matter what, as a tech lead, you're likely coding less. I think in general as engineers, we overestimate how much coding we do. We're like, oh, you're, you're a senior software engineer, how much coding you do? You're probably like... 70, 80% of the time. And it's probably more like 60% of the time. We, we go to a lot of meetings. Yeah, I, I do think as you become more senior, the more complexity of your role that grows, I actually think that's it's really funny as your coding actually goes down. That's definitely the way I've seen it in, in my past. Yeah, and I, like funny enough, I've had a uh, conversation with our director about this. And I'm like, hey, you know, I, it turns out I'm spending most of my time doing meta work, which is like writing docs and meetings and organizing people and wrangling different projects and like i don't feel like i'm doing my job he's like that is your job like your job is to get stuff done no matter what it takes sometimes coding more often than not it's not coding and that's kind of what lead engineers do cheers by the way for the word projects cheers, cheers. thanks mars for holding us accountable staying sharp yeah i think uh so i mentioned feature lead when uh with the introductions and that's a role I, I guess i really haven't heard of that particular role until i got to it at Lassian and, um, and it's not official like role as in like senior engineer and then like a feature leader or anything. Like it's an addendum. It's like a thing that you do as a senior or it, it, you could actually be any level and do that particular role. But it's like somebody that, um, let's say you take a team that's pretty big and you break them up into smaller, uh, smaller teams to work on a particular feature. So like maybe on, on a screen, there's like some small, uh, thing like you're building out a card that does X that's a feature you feature lead it and what that really means is you're trying to help the product manager and the designer figure out anything that needs to happen to get that done from like the technical side so they're going to define maybe what like the product manager and the designer are kind of going to define like you know what it is and what it should look like and you're going to figure out the how 
Um, and it doesn't mean that you wouldn't figure out how with, let's say, the, let's say you're on a future team and you have other senior engineers or, you know, junior all levels that you're working with. They're going to also figure out how to build this thing, but you might like run interference or maybe make it, make it so they don't have to go to as many meetings as you do about the technical implementation. Um, so you figure stuff out maybe a little bit more so that they can just like go and build and not have to be distracted too much. I think that's, that's one way to think about it. And do you switch that up by feature too? Is meaning is you could be the, the lead on this feature and so and so could be on the lead on the next feature? Like, is it something that's kind of interchangeable? Totally. Um, and so for the last year or more, I've been like a feature lead on a huge screen, um, a re, like a basically redoing the entire pull request experience. And that is a massive thing. That's like many, 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 many features. And actually, to be honest, it was it was too much. That was me like almost never coding and doing a lot of like interference and all sorts of stuff. And um, recently, we decided to break that up. So now we have many feature leads, and they are you know in, people from different levels. They're not all senior, um, just taking over and owning a little piece of that page and, and working it through. That's really cool. I didn't actually know what a feature lead was, but it sounds very similar to like a tech lead lead engineer whatever it is it's like very similar but it's very narrow focused on this particular feature you're leading this effort yeah it's really cool i think another area that we missed maybe defining on how to describe a tech lead is i feel like you're dealing a lot more with cross-functional teams I, f I feel like as an engineer you're always working really closely with your team maybe you're working with the pm the designer but oftentimes there's other requirements that come across cross-functionally. There's like other engineering teams, other disciplines that need to be brought in. And you might be that person that kind of goes and shepherds that and brings a technical perspective to it. Did you clarify cross-functional for those who don't speak Silicon Valley? I don't know if it's just Silicon Valley, but... I've not heard that too much. Okay, so. okay, that's fair. I mean, cross-functional to me means different functions of the business. Um, so that might actually be, like I mentioned, PM design, but it could also be even cross-functional engineering teams where there's like a UI team, there's a back-end team, there's networking team, there's like who knows what your project needs, but you might actually be involved in a lot of those discussions where you're talking about, okay, how does the, the back-end interface with the UI? How does the backend interface with a database? And, and those are the types of conversations where I feel like a tech lead might be involved in. It's some of those meetings that you may not have, have to have all your engineers involved in. Like if you're a front-end engineer, you may not want your entire team there, but you want a representative. And to me, that's someone who is a tech lead that can, can represent your team in those discussions that are a broader function of the cross-functional teams. That good, Jim? That's okay. I'll take it. Oh, I'll take it. Oh, uh, fair. All right. Uh, well, since it's okay, how could you make it better? <laughs> I would simplify it, right? I would I would say it, it encompasses different parts of the business that may not be it's more than one product area. So I mean I did start with that. You did. I think you could have come back to it. It's all right. No, that was that was project. 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 Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> when you're a tech lead, you're the ambassador. For your engineers and you may be the first uh, point of contact that team has ever had with your team and so it's really important to make a really good first impression and if you're trying to get something done obviously that's why you're in a meeting with this person it's really important that you set good context and take your time and make sure to explain why what you're doing is important um, because why should why should they help you you've got to show them you got to show them the light instead of make them show the light it's it's very rare you can get people to to do what you want by making them do what you want or from top down. Maybe you can, depending on your organization, do a top down thing, but much better to get them to buy into it. I like that. Yeah, you have to convince people that this is a great idea. That's like psychology, right? Like that's uh, that's like I, that's that's more, yeah. <laughs> well, I think what's been interesting too about some of the definitions is they seem very outward facing, and there's a lot of meta work involved. But they think, and it's been alluded to before here. Um, like internally also, at least like looking internally within your team, tech leads and lead engineers are really, really good resources for decision making. Um, so we've talked about like architecting um, and just making decisions based on like technologies to move forward with given the long term context and the projects coming Cheers. down the pipeline. I think there is that like external and internal responsibilities. That was well put. Yeah, I guess what kind of skills like we kind of talk about some of the responsibilities but like what kind of skills goes into being a tech lead you have to been around the block engineering wise you have to have seen you have to have failed 
you have to have succeeded. You have to have done something of a bigger scope before, I think. I like the failure part because you really do learn from all your past failures of yes. like, these are the types of questions I need to ask up front so that my team doesn't fail again. Yeah, like for, if you don't, if you haven't had that experience, you might get engineers that are in that, that team that you're on that are like, this is an amazing technical challenge. I can't wait to go down a rabbit hole and work on this thing forever. Yes. And you're like, eh, maybe that, but there might be a different solution that doesn't. I've been in the so rabbit long. hole before. <laughs> <laughs> that looks familiar. I, I like the bit around the block. That is, and to echo your point, failure, that is such a big part. It's like learning what not to do is just as important as learning what you should do. I think also another thing that's really important is communication. Communication skills are so important. I think this is whether you're a tech lead or any type of engineer to grow as an engineer, it's really comes down to communication. It's funny is like we think about coding and being more technical. When I think about an engineer growing, it's like, how do they communicate and who are they talking to? How are they communicating the details of a project? Cheers. Cheers. Oh boy. <laughs> Told you it was a good one. I chose this keyword. I think that's something that I wish I knew earlier on in my career about communication is far more important. If you ask like junior gem 10 years ago, I would have been like, it's a uh, lead engineer, someone who can just like, they can do the lead code problems. They can code their way out of anything. They probably know like four languages and all these things. That's and what the junior engineers are for. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of is. It's, it's up to them to like kind of spin and yes. you're, yes. you're like the calm head. Like you pick out the good ideas. Like, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Let's move forward with that. Rather than being on like the hype train of everything you think like, what are the long-term ramifications of that? Like you were saying earlier, Mars about like, the future implications about where the project's going to be in a year, two years from now, versus thinking, I'm just going to close this Jira or I'm going to close this ticket and just, like, I move on my next project. You're thinking, like, what are we going to be in six months? Like, that very, very long-term focus thinking. Yeah, I think it really comes down to, like, really to what you're saying about, uh, like, prioritization, being able to, like, say no, but also put different tasks that you have now in context and prioritize against short-term and long-term goals, which is not an easy thing thing to do. I don't think. Speaking of Jira, though, I would like to add that sometimes you have to take one for the team. Sometimes you have to be the person who closes the bug that you don't, that no one else wants to code or that the team is too busy doing really important work and it's better yeah, it's not, not distracting. It's not like the coolest feature that you're yeah. closing or bug. Sometimes it's unsexy to do Jiras. I mean, yep. it's actually always unsexy to close. <laughs> always, to, to always. Do Jira. I'm sorry. Sorry. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> well, overall, it sounds like you're an enabler for other people to do their work well. I sort of like get it. Either you actually, like if you're a good lead engineer, I would like to think you do your best work when you get yourself out of the way as quickly as possible, if that makes sense. And whether that be bugs, for example, or you're like, here's the context, you know, here are sort of like all of the mundane things you need to know about this project cheers. Cheers. cheers and now you know go do the things and i won't stand in your way yeah i think like noticing someone on the team is struggling and being like hey let's pair a program on that together or yes. like oh this person finished a thing but like it's kind of complex and they need someone to help test them with it and you're like i'll help test and you'll just like go th do that or whatever it's kind of like filling yeah filling in like all the holes wherever you see them a little bit of mentorship there yes yeah definitely yes. that Another one that Jem mentioned, I don't think you even noticed you mentioned was calm. I think your demeanor has to be very calm because you, well, you're looking as that lead. People are looking to you to have the answer. You don't always have the answer. That's okay. Uh, but you, you have to lead this effort or this feature or this project. Cheers. Cheers. Uh-oh. <laughs> Seriously. Long episode. That's, uh, it, it's something I've increasingly run into it, just getting more tenure at any one given company. It's just, you learn as you move up kind of the, the hierarchy of engineering. You can't, you can't like have the same conversations you used to with your peers because they're peers, but they're not peers anymore. So like Tony being at Netflix, like four years, five years, four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. Like you couldn't go to some person who just started and say, man, let me tell you about this meeting I just had. It was terrible. And like you can't vent to them anymore because it just reflects really poorly on the organization. And they're like, whoa, this, I'm supposed to be looking up to this person. And then. That's a hard lesson I've had to learn where I just, I can't have the same communications. It's mostly like people want to vent back to you and you're like, okay, okay, let me see how I can fix that for you. And that's just something that is implied. No one tells you when that happens, but it will happen eventually. And you realize like the higher up you move, the less you can kind of talk as equals to everybody. And you have to like think differently about how you communicate. A lot to unpack there. Sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's good. It's good. I also think like going back to 
you have to plan. You have to also help work on timelines and deliverables for that feature or whatever you're working. I'm not going to say the word, but <laughs> you know what I'm hinting at is that you do have to plan. And I think you are ultimately helping those cross-functional teams work and understand like what your team is going to deliver. As part of that planning, do you what do you all think about how how do you as the lead come up with when someone asks how long is it going to take for this thing to to be done? Like how do you handle that as a lead? 2 months. <laughs> I, well, I, think, I think there's there's sort of two answers to that question i think one i think you have to have good communication skills to be able to explain why an estimate that seems longer than it m- maybe should be is is that long in the first place and two i actually think it's largely built on trust um after like that that being able to give estimates as a lead engineer to others about how long things are going to take and for them to believe you and to be like okay i believe it's actually going to take that long it's not padded or i believe it's going to take that long and it won't run over requires a good deal of trust which goes back to communication i think um and sort of just the overall demeanor of of a, of a lead engineer here's how i would approach it too don't answer go back to your team and then yes. come back with a timeline. That's the right answer. Because and I think like that that can mean me. a lot. Screw you, Mark. that was incorrect. <laughs> and for the love of God, don't forget QA. We always do. It's like, whoever's the last end of it is so so much the forgotten. Yes. And so that's a good point. Is like when you're thinking about it, is like, well, what's the timeline? There's a back and forth of bug fixes. I've never met an engineer who ships something perfectly. Uh, I would love to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I have not seen this. <laughs> Very bad memory, Ryan. It hasn't worked with me yet, so... <laughs> Jira does work very well, so, you know... Projects. Projects. Cheers. Cheers. No, the first thing I do when I ask for estimate is go see my engineers. That's their job to come up with the estimate, not mine. My job is to assimilate the estimates and kind of say... Whatever estimate is longest, that's how long it's going to take. Yeah, I think also like to that point is you're also questioning it too. Is like you're working with your team to try and think through the different paths that you need to go down in order to deliver what you're supposed to deliver as a team and think about that. You just mentioned Tony QA. Well, someone else might have just said, oh, it's like two weeks work. And you're like, yeah, two weeks work on the feature development. But how much is that QA? Oh, well, that might be another two weeks. How much is back and forth with your engineer and QA to actually deliver something that's complete? Well, we might be looking at like a month and a half. That, that totally changed time right there. Or you push back and ask have, ask of the engineer, have you uh, considered unit tests? Oh, unit tests. <laughs> so good. Oftentimes, no. <laughs> <laughs> have you, have you thought about it? You consider writing. What tests? is that? I don't know her. So now, now that we're, um, <laughs> we've got a we've got a couple drinks in us, and <laughs> now I can bust out the hard questions. So uh, I won't direct to anybody, but I'll, I'll look at Tony. It's implied. Sure. Um, yeah. But so, how do you rectify the identity crisis you have as a lead engineer, where your entire life as an mm. engineer, you're like, I solve problems, I fix code, I ship features, and then. Gradually, you move away from that. Where you're like, I'm not shipping features. I was I'm hoping you were going to get to this. Because <laughs> going back to psychology, I think you've got to find a new way of, of, of finding fulfillment. As more junior engineers, we're all like super happy to sit for hours and hours and days and days and just be heads down on code. And when you don't have that, you lose that sense of satisfaction of a of a job well done at the end of the day. Um, so you have to find it um, elsewhere. And I definitely struggle with that myself. Um, what I ultimately came up with is is bringing people together to accomplish something and watching the team get something done is like just as satisfying. Uh, maybe not as selfishly satisfying. Um, and oftentimes you'll be like days where you're like, I didn't do anything all day, or it feels like that. But then you step, take a step back and you can see that the, the team has, has shipped this over the next couple of months. And you're just like, wow, I, I was a part of that. It's great. It's a great feeling. So to tag on that with the hard questions. So I've that's what I've been struggling with for quite some time as well, like the figuring out what the satisfaction is for the thing that you're doing. And the industry in the way that it interviews us is very disparate from this like thing. Like we there's there's very few interviews that you go through like for a new software engineering job that's like tell me all the things you did as like this lead person. They're like Actually, can you just write some code right now and solve this thing right now? Get on the whiteboard, please. Yeah, and it seems so disparate because, like, that's what that's why I get nervous about it because you're like, 
oh, I haven't been writing like code every day, you know, hardcore for a while. How am I going to get through another interview at a different company? Because they don't interview you about the the lead role that you did. Sure, Morris knows a lot about that recently. Well, I was actually about to say, I mean, not I didn't want to like take it off topic, but I, I I feel like I just went through that and like a lot of low self confidence involved in going through that interview process. When a lot of the work that's been done recently is is meta work. It's important meta work. Um, but that doesn't always translate into, oh, I can answer this one technical question that you have for me at this particular moment in time. Even on the coding side, like we're constantly learning, you know, and, and as a lead engineer, even as a senior engineer, you recognize that you can solve complex problems, but it doesn't happen right then and there when you're asked that question. Um, and I agree that the interview process does not capture some sort of like those other qualities and responsibilities that tend, you tend to be involved in even just the more senior you get without even being a lead engineer. The more senior you get, sometimes the further away from coding you get and the more creative you are when it comes to coding eventually. Yeah. So how did you navigate it? How did I, I mean, I studied, honestly, I, I don't think that there's a solution for it. Unfortunately, like interview processes at a lot of different companies still focus on those very hard skills. And it's just recognizing that that's an area that I, and this actually goes, applies to, to projects. Cheers. 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 Like, and, and lead engineer work as well is sort of like being honest about, you know, where something might be missing and just identifying that need to fill that spot with either knowledge or practice or, in a lead engineering context with another resource. Yeah, I would echo. I've actually gone from being an engineering manager to go interview for an engineering role. And I didn't end up taking the role, but really just studied. Like it was really like just brushing up on my code that I haven't been practicing this day in, day out. And it really just required me to like rethink this and be prepared for that interview because it was going to be those whiteboarding questions and so how do i prepare for that i think there's a skill in that though like if you take if you take the interview at a higher level like yes we have to study but also part of the skills we've developed as more senior lead engineers is being able to identify those those gaps which i think is really important also in those interviews ask questions too i feel like that's where the tech leader, very senior engineer is like, don't take it for face value. The question that you're being asked, there's probably something more to it and more depth. Okay, well, have you, what about this? What about that? How does this scale? What's the user interaction? Like, there's so many questions that you can kind of build up to better understand before you jumping into solving the problem. Can I ask, can I ask the group as a, as a tech leader, lead engineer, how do you keep your, your skills sharp? Cause you could get soft never coding or coding very rarely and and the world changes so quickly especially that of javascript how do you keep how do you keep yourself sharp well, i guess unless you're interviewing and you have to you have to study a lot well i don't know that i practice every day or study but um i don't know that i'm doing a lot I, and this may just be me but i don't know that the right approach would necessarily be to have a side project i mean i think that that is that is an approach but depending on your work life balance but Finding the, finding the things that are coming out that are new, um, and just keeping aware of them and knowing sort of just like the general landscape of what's going on can be very important. Even if you're not like, Oh, this new thing came out. I immediately need to write a to do app using that new thing. Um, which is, I don't, I don't believe that's necessary. I think it's important to know that these things are out there so that, um, you know, when there comes a time that you need that particular API or something, then you can go and investigate it further and then learn that way. I find that it's useful to look at my fellow engineers' pull requests as they're coming into it for my review. And that's like, oh, I've never seen it done that way before. Is that new? And then I ask questions. I'm like, oh, yeah, this was mentioned in some blog posts, which I have never seen because I don't use Twitter, Twitter anymore. But <laughs> stuff like that. And that's how I stay. This is really funny. Is like, I'm not on pull requests very much as a manager. I'm not writing code. One that I've actually found that has just kind of kept me, kept my skills like, going is writing things that make my life easier too i can't ship a feature it's too difficult it's going to impact my team really really poorly as a manager i've tried it it doesn't work uh, gosh i want that so bad please <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, i mean it's like <laughs> you're like oh yeah i shipped it or i I fixed this feature i you know and then i break the build or who knows and i've run into meetings and like i'm actually hurting the team at that point Merge, go to a meeting yeah exactly that's exactly what happened i'll approve it but one that i found really interesting is like using those skills for things that 
might actually help me as a manager is I can write tools or, or things that will help me. Like maybe it's a Chrome extension. Maybe it's a command line tool that just makes my life a little bit more automated and easier. And there's no timeline for it. It's really nice, but it's it's using that skill set. Or, hey, there's a new framework. I'll just build something cool with this just on my spare time, which is not a lot of spare time, but it's just like really diving a little bit into it and trying something new. I, th- I think that's what's always helped me as well. I would agree with the pull requests. I, I basically am reviewing pull requests nonstop constantly. And so like that's definitely one way. And then uh, pairing. So like maybe I'm not working on the feature from the start or being the person really like defining all the code around it but like being there to be like oh let's work through this hard part and then pair programming so that's kind of one way to do it I think. like it kind of related what happens since you're sort of an architect as a, as a tech lead what happens when your engineers take the code in a direction you're not comfortable with it going literally ask questions trying to understand why that's happening i i think if you try and dictate it's not going to work and I think that's the ultimate feeling that you have. You're like, I'm the lead. I'm going to tell you the right way. But they actually might have a better way. And so I think it's really questioning and understanding and then trying to steer it in the right direction. Do you mean like maybe they're not following patterns or? I mean, as a tech lead, you've got a lot of uh, experience and a lot of failures and a lot of successes. And you're like, eh, I think that might might not be the or that like sexy new tech might not be the best way to go about it but like they're super passionate about it and you don't want to crush their dreams but also you want to like and they have also spent like many hours working on this pull request so it's kind of a it's a tough it's a tough thing to do and i've come across it a few times i've reviewed prs and said no like this isn't going to work and here's why and i'm sorry but you're about to learn an expensive lesson junior engineer that you shouldn't unilaterally like do big changes that you think are a good idea and not submit them like it's a team sport and unfortunately like i can't accept this and it's hard and i know it's an ego blow to them sometimes but you just have to be honest and say like here's how engineering's done and it's like communication and we can have a discussion about it definitely and you should have come talk to me or talk to talk with your uh, your peers earlier i guess i regret saying come talk to me because we should have a group discussion about it it's not my code base it's our code base it's the user's code base. Um, so yes, you could have you, sh- you should have brought this up earlier before spending ten hours rearchitecting something or, or bringing in your new favorite sexy framework. I wonder if that's like setting culture on the team. Like maybe that's also part of the tech lead role is to like set some sort of cultural standards on the team to be like, by the way, when we're starting this new thing, hey, if you do want to like yeah do some bring some new thing and change change the the libraries change the patterns change the architecture significantly let's all talk about it and like say it up front i guess like i've never thought you, about you, that you actually. want the enthusiasm the enthusiasm is super yeah, you don't fun want to lose super that. exhilarating yeah definitely don't lose that I think, to your point stacy about culture and to mars's earlier point which is really good I, i'd love to talk about that more but like interviewing is different we should, oh, we should definitely do another episode on interviewing because i, like, I know never please do let's yeah exactly what you mean but i i think it's like you're, you're a lead engineer somewhere. You go to another company and you say, like, hey, I want to interview. Their idea of what a lead engineer is very different based on their culture, depending on, uh, like, which company it is. So Netflix, you don't do as much coding. You still do coding and you do architecture. Other companies, it might be you're driving the coding. You're doing every single PR. You're, like, assigning tasks, like, very micromanaging. So, like, how do you rectify that? Because Mars comes in and says, I'm a lead engineer. I've been doing this for three years. I'm like, oh, cool she's going to be the latest on every single technology. It's like, no, what you're really good at is communicating, pulling people together. But at, I don't know, Slack or something, it's a totally different concept of what a lead engineer is. So how do, I, don't, I don't know if there's a fix to that other than talking about it across all the companies and saying like, hey, here, here's what I think it should be and here's how we interview these people and here's how we talk to these people and here's how we think about lead engineering. I think it comes down to like really asking what are the expectations? That's a simple question, but each company should ask that. It's like, what's the expectations of this role? But we don't now. I didn't want to get too much of the interviewing, but like we have this idea that engineers are engineers are engineers. But even talking to all of you, it's clear that's absolutely not true. There's We can all have the same level, but we all have very different roles within the team. And right now we treat engineering as like, it's a binary, like you can solve a problem. Cool. You're in. But that's not it at all. I think also like beyond that, I mean, with the definitions as well, like, and also to, off of what you said, Ryan, about asking what the expectations are. Like I would could say, 
could see a situation where two companies would express the expectations the same way and they're executed very differently. So one company, like company A, for example, might be like, you are expected to, um, lead feature work. <laughs> I'm really hard not to say the keyword. Um, lead feature work and enable your fellow engineers to get their work done. Company B might say the same thing and one might be actually about enabling engineers giving context, driving, um, sort of like being that bridge between cross-functional teams and engineering. And another one might just be, that's exactly what they communicated is you're enabling your engineers to do their work. But really what it means is you're a catch-all for every single problem that comes up. Um, I mean, I think those are two extremes, yeah, absolutely. but it's just to say that like those two things can just mean very different things at different companies, even when asking for expectations. So I'm also curious is like, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about what this role entails. There's also the manager role. There's usually typically an engineering manager. How are they different from a tech lead from an engineering manager? What's the difference between those two roles? Where's the gap? Tech leads, they get their hands dirty. Like you're you're in the code still. I I don't mean to be diminutive of the engineering managers, but like you can make fun of it. It's cool. Make fun of you. <laughs> yeah, just, it's cool. No, it's cool. no. As a tech lead, it, it doesn't matter if you're coding or not, you're still expected to understand what what's happening. And if I go to like say CSA, hey, how does this API interacting with this feature that your team built? You have to know the answer to that. You may not know like the nuances, but you should know a very high level. Whereas manager, you're like, hey, I know the right person to ask. And my job is to like keep the umbrella clear, like, you know. I would say uh, managers are umbrellas. That They're shielding. Like, yeah. 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 But and, he- o- and honestly, too, is like to the manager point for me, I mean, I'm technical, but honestly, I'm far enough removed from the code that I don't think I could do a good job of pointing you in the exact right direction to say like, hey, this is how you should implement it because I'm further removed. Whereas I do feel like the tech lead is still within the code base, is still interacting, is still on those pull requests. And I think they are definitely valuable for their opinion on the direction of the code. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair point to to bring up. I mean, I think all engineering managers are still technical and still act as good sounding boards. Lead engineers are technical in the specific context of that company, sort of exactly to what both of you were saying. Like engineering managers are technical in sort of whatever part of engineering they're involved in, whether that's front end, back end, whatever. But a lead engineer will know how the API works at that specific company. Um, or, you know, exactly how those teams talk to each other in sort of like a service layer oriented architecture. I think also too, with a manager is more responsible for the people aspect. You know, we talked about communication. I think communication goes across people for sure. But I think the people aspect is, well, the manager's hiring. And unfortunately, probably the one that has to let someone go if the, there is performance issues. That's on them. That is definitely on the manager, the lead tech lead, whatever this engineer role is, they don't have to deal with that. And I think that's where it is. Or Not as much. I feel like still some, like for instance, if someone's dog dies, both people have to be involved, I think. You know, you want to be a compassionate human and you have to like set expectations with your partners for projects. Cheers. Cheers. <gasps> good, good call, Tony. So yeah, just like an engineering manager, you have to be empathetic. So if someone's dog dies... Obviously, as a human, you want to be empathetic, but um, you also have to realize that person may want to take some time off. Um, you know, a dog dying is a trivial example, but we can think of a, a more a serious deli- example. A deliverable will Not change, trivial. right? I yeah, don't, I don't think it's trivial. Yeah, um, and, and you want to you want to take time off, and and you have to reset expectations with your partners. Um, you know, that there might be delays. Life happens, and it's really important as a tech lead with the communication, with the psychology, to really be empathetic and and understand that sort of thing. So that's where I think the overlap comes with tech lead and a engineering manager yeah like it's a vent like a bunch of venn diagrams it's like there's overlap it isn't just like separate separate bubbles i was just going to agree with 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 the venn diagram um analogy in that like they are the boots on the ground um and i've had tech lead roles pitched to me actually relatively recently in terms of like we want you to sort of keep an eye on like still the morale of the team is somehow involved and somehow you're like a bit closer to it than the engineering manager and while again this is company dependent because every company has different definitions for these roles and different rules of interaction um i thought it was pretty interesting that it was i mean the people aspect is still very much there i think you have to be pretty careful too about making sure that you define these roles pretty clearly because i think if let's say you are an empathetic person, you might end up taking on the way the role of a manager in a way that's like too much. Like the Venn diagram gets too big, and 
it, it can burn you out and you have to be careful about that. I think like having clear definitions around who does what I think is super important. So like have a write up, you know, somewhere that like, this is what I expect out of a, a team lead. This is what I expect out of a manager. This is what I expect out of a tech lead. And, and make sure that like, if there is overlap, you talk, you actually define that too, just so that you don't burn people out where they're like, that's not really actually your role. Like, it's great that you care about somebody, but it's also that manager's role to like step in. I think also it's cool as the technical lead to also surface it to their manager too. Is yeah. like almost like hand that off is like, hey, I'm noticing this. This is a thing. You know, so and so's dog died. They're, you know, they're not performing as well. Or, hey, they're not performing. I'm not sure what's up, but like they can drop it. It's like drop it in the, the manager's lap and run because you are, you're right. You have to kind of, figure out where those lines cross and and what's your responsibility i uh i do pretty simple things i just say legit just like thank you for sharing have you talked to x your manager about that you think you should really bring that up with them because this sounds like a important thing and then just drop it i mean it's important but uh, but if they come to you in confidence it's important that you also not rat them out or something Absolutely. no that's but, true um, too is like you, know, you, you encourage them i like what you just did too is like you're like go talk to your manager versus like you as the lead going and talking to the manager you're like hey why don't you tell it your manager you and i can work that out but also you should probably tell your manager as well yeah and if it's extremely toxic i might say something like you might want to keep an eye on maybe not this person but like the team is not seeming very healthy right now. Maybe you should ask some good questions. <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of see that. Que- if you say it like that, then it kind of triggers the manager to be like, "Oh, something's wrong. I should go check it out." So I have one more. What for everybody? Uh, Mars, Tony, Stacy, Brian. Maybe not Ryan as much. I don't count. No. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just messing with you today. I don't know why. Uh oh. What's the path to being a tech lead? Because that that is something that. I find very frustrating that it's not defined at all, as in I want to be a technical leader in some organization. So that would eventually usually be the CTO of some level or, or VP of engineering. It depends on the company. Or VP of engineering is usually people management, right? Well, it, it is, but I think... Okay, you you say I don't count. That's fine. My path to a manager was literally going through being as a technical lead. Like I was a lead front end engineer and then moved in into management. And so I think like that is actually a really good progression. But what's the path if you want to become a technical leader, like an architect or some or of company where I don't know levels, but there's like E9s or L10s or whatever, like the highest level of engineering there is without being people manager. What's that path look like? Because that that is really poorly defined. This is a huge question. I don't actually know how to answer. It's, It's company. It's so company specific. It, because there, there is no one path. And I absolutely had these same questions. I, when I was asked to do this role and I was like, I'd ask one, uh, team lead, like, Hey, I was asked to do this role, but this role seems like it's very, uh, people centric and really like on a path towards maybe being a manager. Is this going to help me in a path to being a principal engineer, an architect towards like a more technical path? And there, and, and I got different answers because that role had not been clearly defined in the company. So one manager thought, Oh yeah, that's, that's a role you do if you want to be a manager. And then another man or another like lead that I asked, they're like, Oh, well, that's a role. Yeah. That's going to help you for principal too. And so you got different answers. And so that's why it's so, I think, important to have it be clearly defined, but also have like all your managers understand what that is and what that means for your career progression. Um, and now it's being very clearly stated, like, this is something that you do that's good for both paths. I would say I got this really great advice when I first joined Netflix. More important than keeping your boss happy is to keep your partners happy. So if you can make your partners happy and you can build your network, then you start to you start to build trust with people. You start to build trust with your partners, with your manager, with your organization, and then most importantly, with your fellow engineers. And if you're kind of thought of as a thought leader, then I think it will just like kind of fall into place. Uh, regardless of which company you're at, you'll be recognized as a thought leader. And so then most likely naturally, if it is in your organization's structure to recognize a tech lead as like a level or something, then I think you'll just kind of fall into that. And if it's not like Netflix is very flat and very loose, then you'll just kind of naturally fall into that. So before we get into picks, I'd love to hear 
one piece of advice from everyone. If someone wants to be a tech lead, what's one piece of advice you would give them? Work on your communication. Like, uh, it doesn't matter what level. If you want to go the path of people management and man- manager, or you want to be a tech lead, be a principal or architect or something like that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If you can't communicate that to get those ideas out of your brain and talk to people, uh, like Tony, you're saying that's a great point of, uh, you're, you have to sell ideas to people. You have to convince them that what they're working on is good, but like this thing you're working on, you, you need their help and you will need everybody's help. And just doing that early on in your career and just focusing on that, you will be such a better engineer. It doesn't matter if you can't do any of these weird coding challenges, something like that. I'd rather work with someone that communicates effectively than someone who can like solve math riddles all day. I would add to the communication. I love that one, Jim. To me, it's like be clear, concise, and think about who you're communicating to. What's important to that person? If you're talking to a PM, if you're talking to a designer, how technical should you be? And like, how can you be very clear and concise? I think as anyone grows as an engineer, it's really funny. Is like technical is really important, but communication is key. It really, really is. I want to say something different and I can't because I really think that that's the actual answer to this question. (laughs) I guess to add to it a little bit would be to be someone who can um, weigh pros and cons is really important. And that's a subset of communication, but that the role of the tech lead is to really try and figure out how to accomplish building a thing and doing it in the most like uh, technically excellent way, but also in a way that meets business need. And like that, those are balances and, and you have to, to be able to weigh pros and cons and do them in a way that like, doesn't make your engineers angry because you're shortcutting something and making like bad technical decisions, but also doesn't make product angry because you're, you know, not building the best or or design as well, like not building the best UX because you're shortcutting something. It's, it's a hard thing to do. And I think the better you are at like being able to, um, write up something that really clearly shows the pros and cons and that you've thought about it well and deeply like that, that's a huge benefit to being in that role. It's something uh, Mars, I'll, I'll miss you at work. Mars is particularly good at taking a really complex subject and explaining it simply. And that to me is like pure tactical mastery. If you can explain something to like the CEO of the company, like a very top complex technical aspect, and you explain it in, in things that are easily understood by anybody, that means you're a good tech lead. And that means you have like master of what is going on. And that that's a really, really, really difficult skill to have. Plus one to everything. Everyone has said, um, and then I'd like to add that you should be good at convincing people to do things that they may not either want to do or have it on their roadmap to do. You have to convince them why they should want to do it. My piece of advice, I guess, kind of feels very different than what everyone said so far. I think, I think these are all like, these are all like really, really important skills. And yes, everyone should be developing them. But I guess my piece of advice would be apply it to a single project first and continue to bring that attitude with you to every Oh, I said the keyword to every, uh, to every project that you lead. Um, cause Cheers. I really, because I think really delving into that work, um, and dealing with your partners and your communication and everyone else that you have to interface with, whether or not they're, whether they are engineers or not is really important at a micro scale before you can begin to do that at sort of like a more macro, like actual role title scale and sort of you find your way. You find your way there by doing that, at, you know, one piece of work and, and failing a little bit and then kind of iterating on that and doing it the next piece of work. And sort of eventually you build up those skills and, and you really, before you know it, to, I think it was to Tony's point earlier, or actually multiple people's points, you've built that trust with other people um, in doing that work that eventually gets you that role. So I think you can be a lead engineer on a project and you can also be a lead engineer as a role. And it just really is sort of the scale that you're applying it at, but the skills are really important for, I think everyone's day to day work. I I love that point. I'll add uh, another point where I've failed many times. Don't get too big for your bridges. It's like a piece of advice. Don't, don't say like, Hey, that architecture of that API is all wrong. And I think you should fix it. And here's how you should do it. When your house behind you is on fire, like, like Mars said, like fix the projects you're on first and make sure you earn that trust. Thank you. Make sure you earn that trust and you have like everything on your team sorted before you try to expanding your influence to other teams and projects because you have to earn that and you have to make sure like what you're doing is stable and people trust you on that first. And don't lose it. Yes. It's easy to lose it. Awesome. Some really good advice to end the episode. And before we get into picks, that's great way to end it. 
At the end of each episode, we like to share picks of things we found interesting to share. Let's go around the table and share what picks we have for today's episode. Jem, looking at you, buddy. <laughs> what, what you got to start with? Uh, my first pick is, is a new season of The Great British Baking Show. The, Hell yes. The best yes. Netflix original. <laughs> well, Netflix original in quotes, but... Uh, it's so delightful. I, I do. I look forward to it every it's Friday. It's scrumptious. Oh, it's so delightful. <laughs> I love it. It's the best show on television. I don't it's care. A great don't at me on it's Twitter. A great bake. Stranger Things just okay. Um, <laughs> my second pick is Dewar jeans. I'm wearing some Dewar jeans now. They're very comfortable. I used to wear uh, AG jeans. They got me into the whole stretchy jeans thing. But I found this brand. Uh, I think they were Canadian actually, and they rebranded to something. But it's just like quality. Everything I understand about denim. I looked in these jeans and they're just really, really good denim and they're, they're not too expensive. Uh, and my last pick is front end masters. I have a full stack for front end V2 coming up, um, coming up pretty soon here. Very soon. You've been working hard on that one. I've been working very hard to, um, do the same thing. Cause you know what? Full stack, not much changes on the server. So I've just re, rejiggered things. So it's a little bit easier, a little bit easier to understand, but. Uh, I'm looking forward to teaching that. It'll be, I think, the beginning of October in Minneapolis. So tune in live. Awesome, Stacy. What do you have? All right. So I have, as as per normal, music picks. But right I'm we always love them. They're always good. But I'm switching it up. Uh, I don't actually talk about. Mostly, I talk about techno or electronic music in some form. But another thing that I enjoy a lot is metal, which I don't really talk about too much. Uh, so my th- my three picks are metal. Um, so I've got Fear Inoculum by Tool. They had not put out an album since 2006. So it's very exciting that they finally did. Um, and all their stuff is on streaming now. So it's super exciting. Uh, and it's also very, very good. Blood Year by Russian Circles. Uh, they're an instrumental post-metal, sort of post-rock, metal, whatever the genre is, um, band. Um, really enjoy them. Uh, also, Unending by Cloud Kicker, another instrumental, sort of post-metal. And it's just one guy, actually. So he does everything that you hear in those songs. Um, and my favorite track from him is uh, We're Going In, We're Going Down. But those three, um, I think maybe I like instrumental metal because I can actually listen to it while I code, similar to like electronic music. There's not a lot of, lot of vocals, um, so I can kind of zen out and, and write some code the two albums good for coding though, too. it is too yeah actually it is mars what do you have i always struggle with picks so um i just came up with them like 30 seconds ago uh first one is sort of hot like off the press hot off the press um a little bit of a plug for my new employer airbnb they have this program that i did not know about until recently called the open homes program which is a way for hosts to list their homes on the platform for free for victims of disasters, refugees, and those seeking housing for really important or long-term medical care. So while I don't think you can donate to the program directly, if you are listening to this and you are an Airbnb host, you can donate a proceed, a, a portion of your current proceeds to this program. Um, hoping maybe one day, you know, anybody can donate. Uh, but anyways, I just found that really interesting that that was kind of going on, whether or not you need that housing or you are a host and can donate. And then my second pick is uh, catalogchoice.org. I have been recently angered by how many catalogs I get and the fact that they're all like 100, 100 pages long. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Like in one weekend, there were 30 of these like 100 page long catalogs. And I was now I'm on a mission to find a way to stop these catalogs from coming to, to my mailbox. So catalogchoice.org is a platform that allow that helps you unsubscribe from these catalogs really, really easily without having to email all of them individually. So you just search for your catalog and they'll do the work for you. Um sort of just driving me crazy how much paper ends up in my mailbox so when green I of you <laughs> yes there's that and it definitely also dealing very green. with it yeah yeah it's just it's it just seems ridiculous that Mar- this paper I is being wasted feel exactly the same way and it's like a re- it's not a real problem but it's a real problem it i don't understand the economics that you can send me like a 50 page full color catalog like when you can just email me something which is free essentially I, I don't understand why a catalog still exists, honestly. I still love when Crate and Barrel sends me a catalog. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's still lovely. To be fair, Catalog Choice allows you to choose which catalogs you do and do not receive anymore. So if you love your Crate and Barrel catalog, you're sniffing every page to of the it. catalog. However, the one like a departures catalog where I never read departures, I'm like, why are they wasting the paper um, to print this and send it Bring to me? Bring back Sky Mall. 
<laughs> Anyways, it just it just drives me like bonkers. So to anyone out there who's also being driven slightly um, bonkers by all these catalogs, that's a good a good resource. All right, Tony, what do you have for us? Okay, I am wearing a Lana Del Rey shirt, so I'd like to plug the latest Lana Del Rey album, Norman Fucking Rockwell. And I'm going to see her in Berkeley on Sunday, so I'm super excited about seeing my queen. Um, the second one is um, The Indicator, which is a economics podcast by Planet Money. Really, really great. And I'm in episodes uh, every single business day, current events, and the economics behind it, the trade war, etc. Really fascinating, really high, highly produced, uh, good stuff. And I wanted to find the nerdiest thing I could think of. So one of my nerdiest passions is this YouTube channel called Steve1989MREINFO. <laughs> and <laughs> this dude reviews historical uh, MREs from, <laughs> from militaries throughout the world. So these are meals ready to eat. And all the way, all the way back to like World War II, to like the Spanish-American War. We're talking the oldest beef steak he's eaten from like 1880. So... It's this dude from Southern California. He talks like this. And he's like, nice. So, <laughs> highly recommend you check that out. It's actually really entertaining. <laughs> I, I'm actually finding it very, very hard to follow with this. But I do, I do, in fact, have three picks. The first two are actually books. Uh, the first, first one, Everybody Matters. This is an excellent book about how to think about treating people in your organization with empathy. And this is something that actually got recommended to me from a PM that we work with who was on a previous episode, I don't know, a couple episodes ago, Kathy Conk. She highlights this as being a really good one to really think about how to motivate people. I read it and I love it. It's great. I highly recommend it. And then my second book pick is called Super Pumped. The Battle for Uber. This is an interesting book. Let's just say that. It's the history of Uber. And you know what? I thought I knew some of the weird behavior that went on at Uber. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Not even close. I I heard some of the stories. This book paints the pictures. Like, you know what? It's crazy. I highly recommend reading it. There are some good things, though, too. Is like I, I honestly believe that their CEO, Travis... He was the one to lead this effort. If if Uber was to exist, he made that happen. So definitely just go read the book. It's great. And then my third pick is a Netflix original, which is Abstract Season 2. It's a documentary series on Netflix. Uh, the second season just got released this past week. Each episode follows an artist. I find each of the stories super inspirational. So go check them out. Is that out already? It is. It just came out on Friday. Wow. Before we end the episode, I want to thank Tony for joining us. It was a pleasure having you join us. Thanks for having me. Where can people find you? Tedwords947 on Twitter. Oh, you weren't on Twitter. Well, I guess I still have a handle. <laughs> it still exists. I'll, I'll post something. LinkedIn. Go ahead. Find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Front End Happy Hour on whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. And you can follow us on Twitter at FrontEndHH. Any last words? I want to eat food from like the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>